0: Uh, Christy and I, when we first started dating, I was a relatively new believer and yet still very immature in many ways. One of the things I would do is I would frequently quote movies that I thought were funny, but were in reality quite sophomoric. And I remember one time we were driving somewhere and I made this movie quote that I thought was hilarious. And she kind of looked at me and she asked me a question that I'll never forget. She asked me, do you want to be known as someone who's funny or someone who is wise? I grew up that day. <laughs> it's in that moment that it changed the trajectory of what I would give my life to. I want to be someone who pursues wisdom and speaks wisdom instead of pursuing after immaturity? Well, when we get to Proverbs chapter 5, we see where Solomon is giving instruction to his son on two different types of speech. The speech of those who are wise and the speech of those who are foolish. I want you to see this this morning. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12. That's where we're gonna be setting up camp uh, this morning as a faith family and and as a faith family. We've been walking through the book of Proverbs together through the month of September. We've been reading one chapter of Proverbs uh, for each day of the month. So today is September the 20th, and so today we read Proverbs chapter 20, and then we're gonna finish on October 1st by reading Proverbs chapter 31. It's also been really good for me to memorize different Proverbs passages throughout the week and to recite them together as a faith family. It brings great joy to my soul. In this sermon series, I just, as I look around the world around us, it's saturated with foolishness, arrogance, and stupidity. We as the people of God must be grounded in the wisdom of God that comes from the word of God. We need God's wisdom. Apart from God's wisdom, we are like a boat out at sea with no rudder and no sail, being tossed by the waves back and forth. But what I want us to see today is that when we see those who are wise and those who are foolish, we see in chapter 12, one that leads to life and one that leads to death. Proverbs chapter 12, we're gonna begin reading together in verse 17. Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned these words. Verse 17, whoever speaks the truth declares what is right, but a false witness speaks deceit. There is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue only a moment. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. No disaster overcomes the righteous, but the wicked are full of misery. Lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are his delight. A shrewd person conceals knowledge, but a foolish heart publicizes stupidity. The diligent hand will rule, but laziness will lead to forced labor. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. A righteous person is careful in dealing with his neighbor, but the ways of the wicked lead them astray. The book of Proverbs compares the ways of the wise versus the ways of the foolish. The ways of the wise lead to life. The ways of the foolish lead to death. As followers of Jesus, our words are to be wise and life-giving. I want you to notice here in the text these six comparisons between the words of the wise versus the words of the foolish. I want you to see first, the, the words of the wise are truthful versus the words of the fools are deceitful verse 17. Whoever speaks the truth declares what is right, but a false witness speaks deceit. You see, the words of the wise are truthful. Those who speak the truth declare what is right. Now, we are a people who love the truth because we are people of the truth. God is truth. He is the source of all truth. And That's who he is. That's his essence. That's his nature, his character, which means this. God will never lie to you. In a world filled with lies, God is the ultimate truth teller for that is who he is. Your friends may lie to you. Your teammates may lie to you. Your family may lie to you. The news will lie to you. Your social media is lying to you. In a world full of lies, God always tells you the truth. That's who he is. More than 90 times in the four gospels, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. Jesus is the truth. He is a truth teller, which means as people of the truth, As those who have been purchased by the blood of Christ, those who follow Jesus, we are children of the truth, which means we must be accurate and truthful in all that we say and do, which means we don't fudge sales numbers, we don't cheat on taxes. We are not those who embellish stories to make ourselves look better. We don't pad our numbers to make ourselves appear one way. We don't cheat on homework or tests. We don't make up lies to destroy others. That's not us because that's not who we follow. We're identified with Christ. He is our master and we align ourselves with him who is the truth. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Dishonest scales are detestable to the Lord, but an accurate weight is his delight. Merchants would have scales in which they would weigh their products. And they would sometimes, some of them would manipulate the scales so that it would come across like what they were selling was worth more than it really was. They would find ways to cheat their customers out of money. See, when that happens today, it's nothing new. What we see in chapter 11, verse one, is God detests that. God hates lying. Beloved, you're gonna be tempted to compromise. You're gonna be tempted to lie, to exaggerate, to cheat, to swindle, to deceive, don't do it. It's a trap from the enemy, and it will take you down. See, followers of Jesus are always to be truth tellers, even when it costs us. When it costs us to tell the truth, we're identifying with Jesus, who is the ultimate truth teller, and it cost him his life to be a truth teller. When he communicated to the world that he is the son of God, he is God come in the flesh, it cost him his life. As followers of Jesus, we too must be ready and willing to speak the truth, especially when it costs us. Maybe you're someone who has found yourself who you have been swindling, conning people, being a half-truth teller. Maybe you're someone who has not been truthful in your life. Today is a day in which you look to Jesus. May I invite you to run to Christ, repent, turn from your sin, turn from your lies, and run to Jesus. He will forgive you and offer you grace. And run to him and let him make you new. And then just like Zacchaeus, go and make it right. Go and fix what you have messed up. This is what we do as followers of Jesus. We bring order to the chaos that is in our wake. You see, the truth always sets you free. It sets you free. If you are someone who struggles with truth-telling, if you find yourself frequently embellishing or exaggerating or moving numbers around, may I say to you today, today turn from that and say, as a follower of Jesus, I am going to be a truth teller. And let me invite you to memorize Philippians chapter four, verse eight. It says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Secondly, what I want you to see in the text is that the words of the wise are healing, but the words of fools are damaging. Verse 18, there is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Nonsense. Words can cut. Look at verse 18. They cut like a piercing sword. That word for piercing, it means like you're being stabbed with a knife. Someone who speaks rashly, someone who speaks without thinking, it's like being stabbed by a weapon. It hurts. It's painful. It wounds. It leaves a mark on our lives. Many of you today can recall someone who has spoken something about you that has hurt you. You can recall the person, the place, what they said, how they said it, and especially you can remember how it makes you feel. You can recall all of those things, but you see the words of the wise, they bring healing. The words of Jesus bring healing into your life. May I say to you, if you have been wounded by someone's words, you're in good company. For Jesus himself was slandered, mocked, cursed, He had lies that were made up about him. He was manipulated and slandered while on the cross they hurled insults at him. The only innocent man who ever lived was treated like the worst of criminals. He knows how you feel. God loves you so much that he doesn't just see you in your pain, he enters into your pain. In Jesus, he knows exactly what it feels like to have someone say something about you and even to you that is not true. Jesus himself experienced everything that you and I experience in our suffering, in our pain. Jesus loves you and he identifies with you so that through him receiving the cursing, you might receive healing. Would you hear the word of the Lord bring healing into your life today from Isaiah 43.1? Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. The word of the Lord brings healing. Healing. Jesus speaks with a wise tongue and he brings healing with his words. He loves to speak words of life and blessing and grace over his children. Maybe you are the one who has spoken harshly. Maybe you are the one where you have slandered, you have cursed, you have used your tongue to hurt and destroy and to cut down and the reality of that there's a coming a day in which all things are laid bare before the eyes of him of whom we must give an account that gives you great caution if not fear it may even bring shame may I say to you would you look to the cross where Jesus died for your sinful words you see when you believe the gospel Your gossip, slander, cursing, and lies were nailed to Jesus and you are forever forgiven in him. As someone who has used his words to destroy people, the power of the gospel is to change hearts, bring you to repentance, to lead you to bring restoration, and to allow you to walk in his victory. Before I knew Jesus, I said things that are awful. And I'm so grateful for the blood of Christ that not only did Jesus forgive me for the vile things that protruded out of my mouth, but by his grace, I was able to go back to people and say, hey, do you remember me saying this? I want you to know I'm a follower of Jesus now and I'm sorry, please forgive me. What I said did not look like Jesus. This is what we do as followers of Christ. We are those who have been forgiven. Even our cursing words are washed in Jesus. We speak like fools apart from Him. We just sang these words together Behold the man upon a cross my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Beloved, you are freely forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ of all of your sin, including the words that you have said. But the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus speaks a better word over you. He will heal you with his words. And as you walk according to the Spirit, you are then empowered to bring healing to others. Thirdly, what I want you to see in the text is that the words of the wise are enduring versus words of fools are temporary. Verse 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue only a moment. It's a memory verse that we just recited together as a faith family. You see, lies are temporary. Only truth has permanence. When you speak the truth, you leave an enduring, long-lasting effect for both good and the gospel. When you speak lies, you will not last long. When you go back and look at Jeremiah 28, you'll see the prophet Hananiah. He told the people that within two years, Judah would be victorious over Babylon. When in reality, within 11 years, Babylon would completely sack Judah and take them into captivity. So the Lord, speaking through Jeremiah, told Hananiah this, the Lord has not sent you And you have led these people to trust in a lie. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to send you off the face of the earth. You will die this year because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. And within two months, Hananiah was dead. You see, Proverbs chapter 19 verse 5 says a false witness will not go unpunished and one who utters lies will not escape. People who lie do not remain. You see, there's even coming a day in which every lie will be judged and dealt with. The light of God's judgment will expose every evil deed that has been done in darkness. Those who have experienced injustice, those who have been lied about, those who have been lied to, will one one day experience vindication before the great tribunal of God as the world has experienced injustice after injustice. Maybe you yourself saying, when is the, my person who took me down and who hurt me, when will they be held accountable? Trust me, they will. And unless they repent and trust in Jesus, they will experience the full wrath for what was thought to be done in darkness will be exposed by the light. But reality is, y'all, We don't want our worst enemies to experience the reality of hell. And so we pray for our enemies and pray, God, reconcile them. Would you save them? Would you take this evil and may they look to Jesus and find forgiveness and repentance and find life because either they look to his judgment and they're saved or they have to experience judgment on their own. He's followers of Jesus. We are to be a people who speak words of life and encouragement because for those who reject the gospel, eventually every injustice will be realized and judged before the great tribunal of God. But where do these lies come from? Where did it all begin? It all started with Satan. He is the ultimate liar and the father of lies. Jesus said in John chapter eight, verse 44, the devil was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Beloved, when you lie, you're speaking like the devil. That's a warning. Let you and I make sure that when we speak, we are accurate and truthful because when we don't, we are aligning ourselves with the enemy. We are not to be those who exaggerate or falsify or fabricate. We are to be a people who belong to the way, the truth, and the life. Let us be a people who speak the truth in every aspect of our lives because truthful lips of Jesus, they endure Forever. But be encouraged. There's coming a day in which the father of lies will be cast into the lake of fire forever. His temporary rule in reign is but just for a moment. Lying lips are temporary. And in light of all of eternity, Satan's lies are only brief. There's coming a day in which he will receive his full judgment for what he has done to the Lord and to his people. Fourthly, I you have see in the text, words of the wise are delightful to the Lord versus words of fools are detestable to the Lord. Verse 22, lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are his delights. The King James says, uh, lying lips are an abomination. Uh, That word abomination, it it means uh, something that's morally disgusting to the Lord. You see, God hates lying and lying has consequences. Dishonesty has a cost, personally, financially, culturally. I thought Warren Wiersbe got it exactly right when he said when words can't be trusted, then society starts to fall apart, Contracts are useless, promises are vain, the judicial system becomes a farce and all personal relationships are suspect. As the people of God, we must be those who speak the truth but we also must learn how to discern the truth. In Nehemiah chapter six, God's people, they've come back from exile, they're rebuilding the wall around the city of Jerusalem. As they're rebuilding, there's a group of men who start running their mouth. They start talking big and throwing lies at Nehemiah and God's people. They're trying to ambush him. Sambalot sends him a message and says, Hey, the king, Artaxerxes, he's going to find out about your rebellion, Nehemiah. You better stop what you're doing because we're on the streets that you think you're the king now. Nehemiah responds like this. There is nothing to these rumors you're spreading. You are inventing them in your own mind. For they were all trying to intimidate us, saying they will drop their hands from the work and it will never be finished. But now, my God, strengthen my hands. And so as followers of Jesus, as those who speak the truth, as those who are seeking to discern the truth, contrasting it against lies, as we follow Jesus in this pursuit, please know the Lord delights in you. He delights in you. Look at verse 22. But faithful people are his delight. God delights in you. He delights in you as we pursue after him, as we seek to honor him with our lips and with our lives. The Lord looks at you with great affection. He takes pleasure in you. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. In Psalm chapter 147, verse 11, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. And we see our hope is in the steadfast love of God that is demonstrated perfectly that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The steadfast love that is seen in a Savior who has rescued us and has saved us so that now the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children also heirs, we are co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified with him. We experience the steadfast love of God in Jesus, who is the truth of God, in whom the Father delights. His beloved son in whom he is well pleased now lives inside of us. Oh, the beauty of the delight of God that when you and I are united to Christ by faith, when you believe the gospel, whether vacation Bible school or in your bedroom, by your bed or at your kitchen table or right here in this very room, when you trust in Jesus, we see that you are united to God. We once were far off, but we're now brought near by the blood of Christ. Now he delights in you. He sings over you. He calls you his son and daughter. He loves you so much, and he delights in his faithful ones. So when the enemy whispers lies into your heart, you remind him the Lord hates your lies, and he will one day hold you accountable. I'm now hidden in Jesus. I belong to Jesus, and by his grace and for his glory, what he says about me is true. I'm gonna believe the truth of what Jesus says about me and I'm gonna reject the garbage and the lies that come from the world and that come from the enemy. Beloved, there is a war right now over your soul and the enemy is playing for keeps. He is, 1 Peter 5, like a roaring lion. Lion. Seeking to devour what? Your faith. He wants to eat your faith for breakfast. So how do you fight back with the truth of God? You grab hold of what God has revealed in his word. You grab hold of that and say, this is my life. I now am submitting my life and agreeing with what everything Jesus says about me is true. I'm now banking my soul upon Jesus and what he says because he speaks the truth. His words are healing. His words are life. And when Jesus speaks, we see that when we are hidden in him, the Lord takes delight in me. But I also want you to see number five, the words of the wise are trustworthy versus the words of fools are stupid. It's right there in the text, verse 23. A shrewd person conceals knowledge, but a foolish heart publicizes stupidity. A shrewd, wise, discerning person knows how to be entrusted with secure and important information. You see, a wise person can keep a confidence They know how to hold on to people's personal information without publicizing it like a fool. You see, foolish people, they just speak words rashly. They they gossip. So question, uh, when someone trusts you with personal information, does it stay safe with you? Are you able to keep a secret? Are you trustworthy to know information about people and it remain with you? You see, a fool gossips what they hear. A fool talks too much, right? It's what Proverbs tells us. Proverbs 10, verse 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. Whatever restrains his lips is prudent. Chapter 17, verse 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. Chapter 18, verse two, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Good grief, is that commentary on social media? Sakes alive, the day in which you and I now live. Unfortunately, social media has given the fool a microphone. The challenge that you and I now face is that now fools have a public platform to share their opinions. And which, honestly, I say, who cares? Delete. I don't have time. <laughs> I need more time with Jesus not to hear the words of fools. But you see, as followers of Jesus, we got to be on guard. And so if you're, if you're online, if you're on social media, be on guard of sharing information that is not true. Because if you do, you are complicit in spreading falsehood. Charles Spurgeon said it so well. He said a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. This is why lies are viral. And once they're finally realized what is true, nobody knows about it. Our world loves lies, gossip, juicy details. doesn't matter if it's true. It doesn't matter about the person's character. Let's just say it. Let us be a people of the truth. Let us be a people who are wise with our words. Sixthly, I want you to see that words of the wise are encouraging versus words of fools are depressing. In verse 25, we see anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word, I love that, a good word cheers it up. That word for anxiety, it's translated a, a heaviness of hearts, like an anxious sea that is stirred up after a storm. So is someone's heart that is stirred up with worry and with concern. And in the midst of a global pandemic and political upheaval and an uncertain future, certainly anxiety can fill the strongest of hearts. But we even see this in the life of the apostle Paul, a great hero of the faith of mine, a man who also dealt with anxiety. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he lays out his resume of suffering in which he has faced shipwrecks and beatings and sufferings, nakedness, hunger and thirst. He goes on to say, not to mention other things. There is the daily pressure on me, my anxiety for all the churches. See, even for great titans of the faith, there is this anxiousness, this internal war of trying to find peace in Jesus. So what helps lighten the load? Encouragement. Verse 25. A good word cheers it up. That word for cheers up it means to to rejoice, to to make glad. Like, we have the power with our words to build people up in the Lord, to brighten them with the Lord and with our words. You see, as believers, we're to be encouragers. We bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Like, we encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. A few weeks ago, I was telling at our our men's gathering in here, I said, guys, here's the deal. I've never met someone who was overly encouraged, I've never met someone say, you know what? That's enough encouragement. I don't need it anymore. I'm good. Can you stop? I've never seen it. In Acts chapter four, we're introduced to a guy named Joseph. And this church member was so good at encouraging, at encouraging uh, God's people. This is a guy where they changed his name. They <laughs> said, hey, we're not going to call you Joseph anymore. We're going to call you Barnabas, son of encouragement. We're just going to call you Mr. Encouragement. Because man, you, you just, that's a gift that God's given to you and you're able to build us up and we just want to celebrate that gift that God's put in your life. Question, are you using your words to build others up in the faith? Here's reality. Encouragement is free. It doesn't cost a thing, but it has the power to rescue people from danger. Think about it. Your words, filled with the Spirit, has the power to rescue someone from walking away from the faith. You put your arm around someone's shoulder and say, don't you go that way. You are loved. You were bought with the price. You follow after Jesus. I've shared this story before that when Christy and I, when we first brought our two boys home from Ethiopia, we already had a a two-year-old and then we found out she was pregnant and we thought, we've lost our minds. Lord, what are you doing? It's a very stressful time in our marriage and in our family. And I remember uh, one of my best friends looked me in the eye and he said, Kenneth, God is showing you favor. And I wept. Those few words helped me cling tighter to Jesus. Jesus. And it reminded me that Jesus is already clinging tight to me. And beloved, Jesus is holding on to you. And as you go through your struggle right now, I want you to know you have a savior who is cheering for you. You have a savior who is praying for you. You have a savior who speaks words of life and truth and encouragement. May we do so with one another. In fact, that's the impact point. That's the one truth I want all of us as followers of Jesus to go and live out. It's the impact point. Make it your mission to speak words of life, truth, and encouragement, just like Christ. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to be known as someone who is wise or someone who's immature? Let us be a people who choose to make our words count, to speak words of life, truth, and encouragement. Do you know why? Because really soon, you and I are gonna hear some words. And they're gonna come from a very familiar Galilean accent. And you're gonna hear the words of encouragement and affirmation from Jesus Christ, who looks at you and says, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's be a people who speak words of life, truth, and encouragement.